Good morning. My name's uh, Peter Myers. I'm one of the ordinands here, uh, and it's lovely to see you this morning. Let me pray. Lord, may my words be your words, and may they bring life and be a blessing. Amen. Erupting volcanoes, earthquakes, forest fires, and floods are some of the many dramatic natural events that cause enormous suffering and destructions to us as human beings. But there is another side to these things. They are an integral part to the Earth's systems. These huge events are one part of the dynamic mechanics that renew this planet of ours. They regenerate and help our planet become a living world. Volcanoes regenerate the earth, making soil fertile around it. Earthquakes are part of maintaining a planetary balance, regenerating the earth and bringing minerals and metals to the surface. Forest fires are required by some trees, like the eucalyptus, which uh, the fire uh, uh, destroys or, or breaks the outer casing of the seeds to allow them to germinate. And flood removes, uh, improves the soil and increases harvests. So why the geography lesson? Well, these events are violent. They are powerful and dangerous and also destructive. And yet they are an integral part of a natural cycle that brings new life. They regenerate. They transform. In light of that, let us return to our gospel reading from John. Jesus goes into the temple, which in those times was the, where God dwelt. In the inner sanctuary, in the holy of holies, was where God was. That's where heaven and earth touched. So for the Jews, access to God was via the temple, via the religious leaders and the sacrificial system. And in the reading, we have Jesus going into the epicenter of the Jewish nation, the center of Jewish religion and power and authority, the place where God was. And there he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. He made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple areas both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. I want you to try and imagine the scene. Jesus is driving the animals out of the courts. Imagine the noise, the screeching, the mooing of cattle, the bleating of sheep, frightened animals running everywhere, the sound of the hooves on the paving stones. Imagine the tables crashing over and the money spilling everywhere. Imagine the cries of protest. And John records that Jesus said to them to get the animals out. I somehow feel that there's a little bit more in there than just said, but who knows? Can you feel almost the violence in Jesus' actions? I'm very aware that the violence is a provocative word. It's a dangerous connotation. But we often speak of a meek and mild Jesus, a merciful and gentle Jesus, the Jesus who came to bring peace. And amen to that. 
But we must not forget the other side of Jesus, who was compassionate, he was passionate, uncompromising, and challenging, and on some occasions, extremely physical. And this is what we encounter here. This is the provocative Jesus. This is the dangerous Jesus. What is my point? It's this. This episode is the equivalent of a volcanic eruption in both the physical as well as the spiritual realms. This account is a prophetic act foretelling of the destruction of the Jewish temple and the sacrificial system of worship in order to replace it with something more beautiful, more wonderful, more glorious, and more transformational. Here, Jesus is unveiling the purpose of his ministry and mission into the world. He is announcing the Easter story. It is his road to the cross. This encounter is an earthquake of seismic proportions that will radically change the nature of God's relationship with humanity. It will shift the center of worship from the temple in Jerusalem to the temple of you and me. And as Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians, we are now the temple of the living God. Jesus' actions does this by two ways. He declares who he is, and he declares what he's going to do. How does he declare who he is? Well, the activity that's actually going on in the temple, on one level, is totally legitimate. It was where the people came to the temple to change their currency, to, use, uh, to get temple currency, and to buy their sacrifices so they could do their religious duty. So what they were actually doing was perfectly okay. But what Jesus was doing is coming in and effectively saying things are about to change. He wants to reorder what is going on in the temple. So quite rightly, the Jewish authorities come and ask him, who are you? How can you say these things? What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority that what you're saying is legitimate. The tone is less, how dare you, and it's more, who are you? You see, the only person who could legitimately reorder the activities of the temple was God himself, or the king. And we see this throughout the Old Testament, through King David and Solomon, King Hezekiah, are just a couple of examples. So by doing what Jesus is doing, he's effectively declaring his kingship, his royal heritage, his lordship over the temple. Now remember at this time, at Jesus' time, the Jewish nation was yearning to see the Messiah arrive. So there was a charged atmosphere at this time within the nation. So let me read you a verse from the prophet Malachi. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant that you desire will come. Suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to the temple. Well, Jesus is certainly suddenly coming, and he's coming dramatically. But sadly, the Jews did not recognize him. The Jews reasonably asked, show us a sign to prove your kingship. And Jesus' response was, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. 
He is intentionally ambiguous. Does he mean the physical temple? Does he mean his own body? Of course, this makes no sense to the Jewish authorities at the time. Instead, he says, raise this body in three days. This declaration was the second provocative, sorry, prophetic act which announces his mission to the world. So what does that mean for us? Well, we're in the Lent season, a time of preparation where we are on our own road to the cross at Easter. And it's a time when we are invited to consider and reflect on our own lives. I want to suggest this passage speaks something of that Lent time for us. Jesus came to bring life and life to the full. In contrast, the temple in Jesus' time had become bureaucratic, hypocritical and religious and did not reflect God's glory. And Jesus came to ring the changes. In the same way, we, as the new temple, can become religious and rigid in our worship and our lives. Where have we become stale? Where have we lost the fire for our first love for Jesus? Or have we forgotten what it is to be kind to our neighbor? Where have we got stuck in sin patterns? Where do we find it often where we get angry and selfish? Where are those disappointments in, life, in, our, in our life, that those hopes that haven't yet been fulfilled, that have started to harden our hearts and overwhelm who we are truly in Christ? For me personally, this Lent, I'm reading a book about um, prayer to revitalize and deepen my prayer life. But in the past, I've needed to really be challenged in some of my behavior and clean out my own temple of my own heart in areas of anger and selfishness and pride. Many of you, I hope, will be doing the discipleship course this Lent. And I hope that is a place where you are learning to stir or or something is stirring in your heart that this Lent you may address. This morning's passage foretold the Easter story, the road to the cross. The good news is that Jesus has faced Easter, and the victory is already for one, for you and I. We are part of the new order, part of the regeneration following the volcanic eruption experienced through Jesus' death at the cross. But if we are the new temple, is it possible that we need Jesus to come in with a broom? To sweep out the old and call in the new this Lent. To bring transformation, renew our hope and restore us. Unlike the passage this morning, Jesus doesn't always need to be a volcano in our hearts to get our attention. It could be just as easily a gentle word, a piece of revelation, a word from a friend. But let's be honest At times, we do need something like a Jesus in the temple experience to actually shift and expose our hearts. As we draw to a close, let me say a volcanic eruption eruption is both destructive but also regenerative, regenerative, bringing new life. 
on our road to the cross this Lent, there may be things in our lives that we need to let die so that God, through the love of Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, can bring new life and transformation to you and I. And as I finish, don't let us forget that the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal from your house will consume me. You and I are the house of the Lord. It is Christ in you and me. And Jesus is passionate and fervent. He is zealous for every part of your life and my life. Let me pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, this Lent season, search the temples of our hearts so that we may know life and life to the full.